0: You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends.
1: I don't know how many authors I've had on Mike Seminary and Friends. It's a good number. I read a lot, not everyone that I read is a guest. Uh, But I love having, as you well know, uh, entrepreneurs and authors and artists, people that are just really moving a needle some way or another. And I I think it was on social media. I saw a reference from someone I know about this book. And I looked at it and just the cover and I was fascinated. So I, I bought it. And then I reached out to someone that knew the author and had a short conversation. Then I had an opportunity to visit with the author as I was reading the book. And I'm telling you, this is a page turner. This is really, really a good book. Fiction, and it just is a page turner. And there's also a real important reason why the book author decide to write the book and I think it was during COVID and I'm gonna let her go into more of that I'll just kind of scratch the surface I think it was during COVID during the lockdown that my guest realized her real calling might be writing and I'm going to tell you he's got a gift so it is just an absolute pleasure to welcome Anna Lurex to Mike Seminary and Friends Anna, it's great to see you. How are you?
0: Good, good. How are you?
1: I'm really good. Thank you. I'm having a great day. And and why wouldn't I? I'm retired and I get to talk to fascinating people about what they're doing, how they're contributing. And you're one of them. I mean, and I, I just talked about your writing skills. You're also a very talented artist. You're a guest lecturer at the University of Minnesota. And I could go on and on, but... Gosh, the name of the book is Lithium Part One. Mm -hmm. And thank you for the reference to the band I had in high school, our rock band. It was called Part One. I didn't think anyone would ever make a reference in in writing anything about our band, but you did. Thank you so much. Actually, it's it's going to be more than one part. How many parts to this story Um, will there be eventually?
0: Four are finished. Okay. And I'm working
1: on five. Four are finished. Th- this just came out, Lithium Part One. analyrics, L U R E X, A N N A, L U R E X. Just came out. I- I'm going to say within the last month or so, somewhere in there, maybe maybe two months. Yeah. um w- When do you think? the second issue or second volume, second edition will be made available?
0: Uh, within the year, hopefully not farther away than that. Okay. It's in editing right now. Perfect. So working hard.
1: So let's talk a little bit about you first. You, uh, uh, on the on the on the cover, back cover, you talk about your your art you have been pursuing your artistic creativeness for for some time. I'll ask you, how long? How long have you been taking pen or pencil to paper and creating work?
0: Uh, Since I was 10. 10? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And did have you taken courses or is it all self-taught? Tell me the kind of the process that you've gone through these years Mm-hmm. to become an accomplished artist?
0: Um, well, I've only been in a few drawing classes. I love to draw. That's kind of my thing. And I never lasted in there because I didn't like them telling me what to draw. <laughs> so I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I never really lasted in those um, classes.
1: Yeah, that could be a drawback where, when somebody's giving you pretty directions and what they're expecting mm-hmm. so then you, you you're self taught you have just created along the way Yeah. do you do that every day
0: no it goes in spurts it goes in creativity spurts I have All right.
1: just like any whether you're a musician or an artist it it's not constant it comes and goes based on how you moved would that be a fair statement yeah that's fair have you sold any of your work yet?
0: I have not.
1: Well, we'll have to work on that. That's the yeah. purpose of things like podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Including the book. So yeah. let's start kind of chipping away at that just a little bit. Before we talk specifically about lithium part one, mm-hmm. what, what were your influences during the, course of your life that um, impacted you positively with regards to your artistic pursuits and then your writing pursuits and then exploring. Because as as I start to learn about you, there are the three things that kind of drive you. You love to explore to learn, You, mm-hmm. you which also takes you back to your art and then to writing. What were some of your influences, and maybe still are to this day?
0: Yeah, um, the greats, really, like Michelangelo, Botticelli. They really influenced um, my art. And then Inferno from the Divine Comedy, Dante. um, That's one of my favorites. And stuff like Wuthering Heights. Hmm.
1: Boy, some of that's even mentioned in your book, I think, if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken. (laughs) I'm teasing listeners, and that's that's my job. And that's my job to tease them to tee you up. So they're curious and they buy your book. Mm -hmm. So just so you know, we're not going to go into a lot of detail about Mm. Mia and Jack's or Ozzy. We're not going to go into a lot of detail. We'll scratch the surface to tease people so they can say, I got to get that book.
0: Okay.
1: So during COVID, you were in lockdown. And you say on the cover that you learned what what you were really drawing to. How did you say it? No, you said you were your real calling. And that was to tell a story to write and share. Yeah. What was it specifically during COVID that caused you to think that way and then to say it on the back of your book?
0: Yes. Well, it all starts with my psychologist. Um, you know, I do have bipolar disorder. And we were talking about how to cope with being alone during COVID. And she said, um, we joke that my life could be a book. And so she said, you love to write, write a, like a book about yourself. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And then I go home, and I'm reading through my like uh, journals that were started in 2012. And it just had such a a hard, powerful impact on me, but not in a positive way. It was kind of overwhelming. So I went back to my psychologist and I said, I can't do this. I can't write about me. And she said, okay, now make it fiction. So that kind of was like, huh? So I created this character, this fictional character, and she goes through life with some things influenced by my past and um it was in during covid so i was in lockdown and all i did was write um and as i continued to write the more and more i was thinking like this is good like people should read this um so i got to four books and here we are
1: (laughs) so we should thank your psychologist for, for what you produce by the way thank you for being willing to share Mm -hmm. part of your personal story through your your writing you you share that on on the uh, back cover that you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder as a young adult I think is how you phrased it and and always correct me if I'm wrong I'm wrong a lot so go ahead and do that yeah what what led and I'm going to talk about my dad in a moment as well with regards to struggling with uh, mental health uh, challenges. You know, about six million people in the United States have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, about sixty million people have s- struggles with mental health, and so it's it's not a small group. It's it's a large fraternity. What, what was going on in your life that um, resulted in the diagnosis? If if you're willing to talk about that.
0: Um Yes, during when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with depression and during that time, I um, hit some trauma. Some bad things have happened to me. And I think that that um, stress morphed my depression into bipolar when I became a young adult when I was 20.. Okay. Um, And so I was feeling the, you know, the highs and the lows. And it took a while to finally figure out my diagnosis, which was actually done in a psych ward. ward. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole experience in itself too. So there was a lot going on.
1: Our dad. Well, we believe our dad. Uh, was bipolar. And I say it that way because back then, so we're talking late sixties, early seventies, when this started to occur in our household, I don't know that they were necessarily using the, the, the term bipolar disorder back then. At least I don't recall it, uh, in, in our home. And what would happen for us, And I share this because Anna just was very willing to share part of her experience. And I want to go into this because sometimes observers of people that struggle with some form of depression or mental health disorder or or bipolar disorder, sometimes we're not as gracious as we could be. Let me put it that way uh, to people that... Probably appear a little different than us for one reason or another. And back then, what would happen in our home? Mom would say, "Your dad's in a, another one of his funks." So, Dad would go into these periods of time—a week, sometimes two. But it was rare that it was longer than that, where he's just very noncommunicative. And we just—and and what was interesting—he was a. a a consummate professional salesman. He was a very accomplished at what he did. He was very, very good. But there were these times where this valley would hit and he was just like kind of not there. Later in discussions with mom, I I would come to learn that when dad was kind of out of commission, can I put it that way? It was a function of uh, is he have they found the right medication? And then is he using it correctly sometimes men don't do that very well mm. and so he would have these ebb and flow these peaks and valleys where dad was on his game and then he was just almost kind of non-existent and later we would learn that when they really zeroed in on the right medication which is by the way one of them is lithium i don't know if it was back then i just i just I don't know, because we didn't talk much about it, right, Anna? Mm. That that was our personal experience. So enough about our family. And I, I bring that up because to thank you. Thank you so much for being bold and brave and really creative with this incredible skill that you have sharing kind of your walk through Mia, the character in the book. And you just did it brilliantly. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so can, can I ask a couple of questions about lithium? The, yes. The, the prescription drug, because you reference it in the book and you also talk just You you just write so beautifully your relationship with the medical professionals, uh, I should say Mia's in, in the book, probably somewhat mirrors yours where they're really an important player in your life, I would suspect. Is, mm-hmm. is that a fair statement? Yes, that's fair. And, and then with regards to lithium or prescribed drugs at all, how do you deal with and then how does Mia at least in the first book deal with the balance of which medication to use uh, how often to use it is, is, it, uh, is it a feeling thing that mm-hmm. helps someone decide what they need to do next if that's a fair question
0: yes yeah um mia is very resp- responsible and she does everything she needs to do to keep being stable because she is stable um, so she is very aware of how the the effects of the drugs, so like side effects, what's going on. Maybe she's getting a little manicky. Maybe she's getting a little depressed. And when that happens, she like adjusts her dosages as what her psychiatrist informed her to do. So she kind of really follows the rules.
1: And that's important, not just for Mia in the book, but that's important for anyone that struggles with mm-hmm. the challenge of uh, whether it's bipolar disorder or, or many in any other type of mental health issue where you re- medication is required. Mm-hmm. Fair statement. Yeah. yeah. Mia's kind of a badass. I, I really like Mia. She is so first of all, she's full of life. She takes guff from no one in fact, she can be kind of antagonistic at times and sometimes I think that's um that's kind of to help put a line in the sand if you will it, it, that's always the sense I got, and then sometimes yeah. it would make me a, a little a, a little nervous mm-hmm. uh, just because of the fear of what if somebody understands me more than I want them to understand right now you know what I'm saying when I say that you know what I mean okay yeah so that was part of your life and maybe still is I don't know but that was part of your life Mm -hmm. prior to being diagnosed and then after and receiving the right kind of direction and help from professionals right right Walk us through that a little bit.
0: Um, What part
1: of the so when you go and talk at the University of Minnesota as a lecturer, Mm -hmm. what are maybe that's a better way to ask? What are some of the um, areas that you provide direction in and then the guardrails of how to best handle. Your your situation, if you're experiencing it, based on your experience. When you're lecturing, how do you mm-hmm. go about that process?
0: Um, I start a lot with just the facts. Um, I go through everything, like I go through what depression is like, what mania is like, what side effects are like, what stigma is like, what that is like. Um, And I just really get into it. I'm very honest. And, you know, I let the kids ask me questions. Um, So, yeah.
1: The the curiosity level of the students. Mm -hmm. Is it a, a healthy, helpful kind of curiosity for them? when they ask you a question and then based on your very personal experiences and you share the answer, what kind of reactions do you get from them?
0: Um, They were very, very interested and eager to learn and like, hear what I have to say, Um, because, you know, I go through stigma. Right. And say like, oh, you know, it's when someone uses bipolar in a derogatory way that's insulting. and so one of the kids like kind of said like oh my gosh I have said that before. Thank you for like sharing that. I'll work on it. You know and I'm like that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Yeah.
1: Do you think that m- most of us whether it's in this particular setting a situation with regards to something that we say that could be derogatory or hurtful? You know, we do that in lots of cases, but here specifically with regard to someone that has a very specific medical condition called bipolar disorder. Do you think most of us do that out of we're not conscious about what we're saying versus any intentionality or we just don't have a clue? And I don't want you to answer that in terms of pointing people out, but just kind of your general sense of how we do that
0: um what do you mean
1: when when people have a what this student said oh my gosh I've done that mm-hmm. I've said something derogatory or
0: mm-hmm. I've
1: said something that might be hurtful do you think it's more often it's not intentional it's just the fact that we're ignorant to not stupid we're ignorant to um the facts and what someone's experiencing
0: mm-hmm Yeah, I think it's definitely the media, you know, like people are ignorant. They don't know what bipolar is, but they see it in the media and it's portrayed very negatively. Like it's they like people with bipolar are violent um, or people with bipolar are crazy. You don't want anything to do with them. Um, And in the media, it's so weird how people think that people with bipolar are so like vicious and it's just like no if you have a mental illness that makes you more vulnerable so you're more likely to be the victim with someone with mental illness rather than someone who's crazy trying to kill people (laughs) so i think it's it's all in the media and that's what people see and that's what people think so that's why i gotta spread the word Mm. of the
1: Mia does a great job of saying what you just said with regards to her concerns about. If my colleagues. know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: will they? I'm kind of putting words into her mouth. Maybe will they understand? Will they be these people that have this overreaction to the fact that I have this condition and will they understand? So Mm -hmm. I'm that that part of Mia's character, I'm assuming, is heavily leveraged by Anna's experience.
0: Yes, yep. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um like stuff like that. Um kind of people misusing the word. Um that it, it really affects me kind of probably with most people with bipolar disorder, it has a negative effect when people use the the word so negatively but so I'll be I was talking to my boss and he was telling me about this girl he was dating who he really likes she's really cool and he goes and guess what I found medications she's bipolar and I was like oh okay and he's like yeah I ran out of there I don't want that bitch killing me in my sleep and I was just like ah No, that's so wrong. And like, that's so hurtful. And sometimes it just takes me back. So, like, I'm so shocked that I don't say anything. And other times I kind of try to dig into it with them and say, like, why would you say that? That's not what bipolar is. You know, I try to do that every time, but sometimes it's just kind of a shock.
1: I got to back up a second. That happened to you. uh, Yes. A boss. And the reason I had to ask that way is that. I remember that in the book where she's talking, me Mia's talking about uh, overhearing a conversation. I think of someone saying, "My girlfriend's bipolar. She was bipolar. I got to get her because she's going to kill me." Or and I'm paraphrasing what I remember. And at my age, and what I remember and what's real could be two completely different things, right? Um, but that, again that's one of those page turning moments where i just had to get to the to, to the next to the next page the next page cuz you just have a real gift for cliffhanger let me put it that way you I, there wasn't a time I, I had to start the next chapter even if it was later i had to start the next chapter because you have this cliffhanger, I want to say, almost every chapter. By the way, folks, there's 355 pages, I think, and 35 chapters. And every single one of them, I couldn't wait to get to the next chapter. Now I can't wait to get to volume two, which would be part two. and never had that band. It was only part one. Let's talk about your art a little bit, and we'll come back to the book. What what is your style in term is impressionist or what what is your your painting and artistic
0: style? Um, graphite and charcoal pencils, and the more detail, the better.
1: Behind you, are, is that your work or is that a photo? And it looks like Muhammad Ali.
0: <laughs> That's a yeah, it's a photo.
1: Oh, okay. Right. I was going to say because that would really, really good. (laughs) Okay, it's a photo. Charcoal and pencil. Mm -hmm. Has it always been that those two medium, charcoal and pencil?
0: Um. Yes, always. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but I painted the cover of the of lithium.
1: I'm assuming you did because. on your website, I see that.
0: Yeah. OK, good. Um, yeah. I, so then I started painting um, because of how much I love to draw. I do. it A lot. Right. And so some of my medications, the side effect is tremors, which I kind of go through in the book, yep. so that makes it really hard to draw and to type and to like cut an apple. It really hindered a lot in my life, and I wanted to still make art. but I couldn't like hold a pencil or a paintbrush, so I used body art.
1: Is that body art? Yeah. To cover of lithium? Yeah. Got it. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yep. So back to the tremors. Yeah. Uh, the tremors uh, in Mia's life
0: mm-hmm.
1: seem, sometimes can happen with, they're just coming. They're just kind of coming. Mm-hmm. Is that, in Mia's particular case, the effects of medication are at the tail end? Or is it something else in her life and medication at that moment isn't as effective. What exactly is causing some of her tremors?
0: Um, It is medication side effects. Yeah.
1: So the taking of the medication, because it's so powerful, can cause tremors.
0: Yep.
1: Uncontrollable.
0: Mm.
1: And for what duration, how long can those last?
0: Um, Pretty constantly. The degree goes up and down. But it's pretty constant.
1: Oh wow! Okay. When you were diagnosed, was lithium the the first medication they prescribed, or did, did they have to identify the appropriate mm-hmm. one for for Anna?
0: Um, that lithium was not the first mood stabilized I was put on. I was put on Lamictal, which is supposed to be kind of the same. Um, so that was diagnosed, that was prescribed in uh, the hospital. And so then I got out and I went to a psychiatrist who then managed my medications and nothing was working. I was still having like this terrible depression and then hypomania. And so it took probably four years to get on lithium. And that is what kind of saved me. So I tried a lot just to get to lithium.
1: And how long of a period of time from first until actually being prescribed lithium? Uh,
0: three or four years.
1: Wow. Yeah. That must have been a very frustrating three or four year period of time. Yes, it very much was. And now with lithium, d- despite the tremors that... Mm-hmm. Um, can be somewhat constant, and I'm sure very annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that that mood, sta- I think you used the term mood stabilizer. Yep, Appears to be one of the most, if not the most effective lithium is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's been your experience. Yes. And Mia's.
0: is. Yes, indeed.
1: When when you were in lockdown and you started writing Mm -hmm. by the way did you have did you finish four in lockdown oh my gosh (laughs) so (laughs) so you finished four you, you got the first one published about 60 days ago was how therapeutic was this for you when You went from writing about you to now writing about mia Mm -hmm. and sharing you through mia how therapeutic was that for you anna
0: very because for so long i've been hiding my diagnosis i was holding back i didn't want anyone to know and it was very lonely um, so when I started writing about Mia and putting all of my, all my stuff out there, it was therapeutic because I was like letting it go. I was kind of opening it up, and that's what I'm doing through um, publishing it.
1: Your book release party. Yeah, if that's, if that's the right term to use,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that must have been a lot of fun. It must have been. It must have also been emotional I, i'm sitting here thinking about i i don't know that i've met your mom know your dad and the family i don't know your dad really really well but i know the emotional part of that family that must have been a really kind of celebratory uplifting uh, this is a big day in our in our home kind of day yeah but, uh,
0: yeah I, very much
1: Where is the best place for someone to find lithium part one?
0: Uh, Amazon.
1: Amazon. Mm. Do you do book signings?
0: I haven't yet, but I'm looking into it.
1: Yeah, we probably should figure that out. That could Mm. be a a lot of fun (laughs) when you're at at, a guest lecturing. Mm-hmm. At the University of Minnesota. And by the way, how long have you been doing that?
0: Um, two, three
1: years. And is is that as equally therapeutic and uplifting for you as writing the book, being able yeah. to share? Because that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, right. hmm
1: Because yes. you're up there, you're totally exposed in terms of vulnerability if you will Mm -hmm. what was the first time like
0: oh i was so nervous oh man um i was sweating i was like reading over what i was going to say so many times and i was super self-conscious like what if they don't like me what if i overshare because that's also still like with me even now i'm like i don't want to overshare Um, just being insecure about what people would say. Um, So I was very nervous, but once I started, I didn't need my notes. I just went through it, and it went really well.
1: Good for you. Mm -hmm. You Back in the day when when Dad was struggling, and and we didn't know, because Mom did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. of keeping certain parts of this just between the two of them, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure for a variety of reasons. And. There were times it was really hard because Mm -hmm. there's normally pretty full of life gregarious, you know, because if you're an accomplished salesperson, normally you have a personality that kind of pulls people in, right? And then so when dad would go into these these funks for a week or two at a time it was really hard because all of a sudden he was different non-communication no real talk about it in the family and i would think that maybe today we probably would have handled that a little differently just because of there are so many tools in terms of communication, which can be good and bad. Social media can be good. It can be God awful. Mm-hmm. But in terms of sharing with people to help them understand and the more people that understand and I'm thinking maybe if we understood maybe things would have been different. I don't know. It's your dad, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm saying this in context of when you're up guest lecturing, and now you have this confidence with regards to purpose and helping people understand, I'm thinking that's not only therapeutic and good and healthy for you. I've got to think that there's a good percentage of the students in the classroom mm-hmm. that when they leave there now with better information from someone that personally lives this life, mm-hmm. The light bulbs must go on, and I'm thinking they walk out the door. Different. Can you sense that when you're towards the end of a lecture and based on the question that they ask?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: That was a long way of getting to that question, by the way. I apologize. I'm going to switch back to art. So you said during COVID, during the lockdown, I discovered my true calling writing clearly mm-hmm. you did you wrote four books during that period of time you got one published and the next one's being edited right now looking forward to number two will it be called part two by the way
0: yeah
1: okay um when but prior to the covid it was your art How do you balance that now when you say my true calling, I think, is writing, but you have this incredible skill when you put pen or charcoal or pencil to paper? How are you balancing those two?
0: Um, well. During the day I write and at night I draw.
1: There you have it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And books you're selling, but not yet art. Why? yeah what you're so you you're selling books, but you mm-hmm. haven't sold art yet. am I correct?
0: That's correct. Why? Um I don't know. I really should. I just never really think beyond the drawing. I'm not even thinking in my head like maybe to sell it or not. Um, I just draw just because I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I had my first commission from my brother-in-law. Um, I drew the Archangel Michael slaying Satan. I drew that painting. Oh. So that turned out really cool. For your brother. And so that's my latest. Yeah.
1: Where are you going to put some of that on your website so we can see it? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I, you have some form of a collection, right? Yeah. Most artists do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought of that. That's a good idea
1: maybe you should hire me to help you work on this marketing thing okay. actually you should hire my wife she's a lot better she's a lot smarter and she's really if that's what she does for a living by the way and mm-hmm. she I do it for free she'll edit that out she'll clearly edit out what I just said that she'd, she'd probably do it for free why should people buy lithium and read it
0: well First, it's going to be, it's a great story, so it'll be entertaining, but also educational. Uh, For people without bipolar, it'll give them kind of a look into like the life of somebody with bipolar, Um, and so they can uh, understand it as much as they can. Um, And for people with bipolar disorder, I want them to read it and feel like they are seen um, like they're not alone, um, but bipolar, everyone has a different kind of disorder. It's different for everybody. So I don't know how much would be relatable to people. Um, so, yeah, just no, they're not alone. I'm going to
1: expand on that a little bit.
0: Yeah. That didn't I, sound I, very good.
1: No, no, it sounded very good. And I agree with you 100%. Okay. However, if we have approximately 6 million people diagnosed with bipolar disorder in our country and um, almost 60 million with other forms of depression mm-hmm. and struggles with some form of mental health issue, mm-hmm. and that's now almost 20% of the population. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons people should be reading lithium. Mm -hmm. Even from our personal experience, I got a completely different look um, into uh, the life of Mia, who struggles with bipolar disorder. The reactions of people that don't understand it at all the things that we say that because we don't understand when we're when we are ignorant to something again, that doesn't mean someone's stupid when we're ignorant, which means we don't have the facts or understanding. We can say things that are really hurtful and incredibly inappropriate because we don't have a foundation of understanding. So if there's 60 million people one could make the case that it's pretty hard to go through a a week, maybe even a day where you're not in contact with somebody that's impacted. Either they personally have some condition because they're one of the 60 million or they're a loved one or a friend of that person that's in the 60 million. Lithium is a book that in addition to being a great story, I mean, a great character, a lot of great characters, but Mia is a badass rock star. You'll get a good understanding. Uh, you
0: just got muted. I can't hear you. You couldn't hear me? No,
1: I can now. You can now? I, I don't know what happened there. So, what? what again, I said M- Mia is uh, a badass and a rock star, frankly. We can get, as we learn about her, what she thinks, what she experienced, what her life is like, and how protective we all can be about things that maybe we don't want someone to understand. This is a good book for everyone, uh, in my opinion, because now we have better information based on Mm -hmm. someone that on the back of the cover told us I struggle with this, and this is a fictitious, a fictitious character, fictional character, based on some things I know. So I think it's a good book for just about everyone, Anna. That's Mm -hmm. what I think.
0: Yeah. Nice. I do too.
1: Okay. There you go. I'm (laughs) glad we agreed on that. Yeah. (laughs) If you had a magic wand, you could wave over the heads of everyone but particularly people that know nothing about bipolar disorder and people have that condition what's what's the one thing you really want people to understand about living with bipolar disorder
0: um Just knowing how hard it is to exist in life with a mental illness, but mostly I want them to know the stigma around mental illness is so strong and that needs to be fought. So that's why I want people to know is like how much the stigma can affect somebody with mental illness and how that means like how they would affect them in a negative way.
1: well you just said something that probably is going to cause other podcasters to reach out to you what you just said is very very powerful critically important because it it's attached to 60 million people 6 million specifically that have bipolar disorder then the loved ones and family and friends of those people that have those the mental health challenges. And it's a big deal, because if you don't know, you you don't know. Mm -hmm. So there should be all sorts of reasons why podcasters that specifically deal with health, lifestyle, those kind of things that they're they're going to be wanting to get a hold of you. And so when we put out your contact information on social media, the stuff that's there, don't Mm -hmm. be surprised if they say, hey, do you want to come on our podcast? Or do you want to come on uh, this TV interview? Because, And you do a great job, Anna. Thank you. Do you have a, a mentor in in the bipolar disorder treatment landscape that you can talk to in a regular, and I don't necessarily mean a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but you have a mentor that you get to bounce things off of with regards to your personal dealing with your health and then your willingness to be open and share either through your writing or guest lecturing. Someone you can bounce things off of.
0: Um, I don't have one single person. I have my family and they have been so supportive throughout this whole entire thing. That's, it's been eight years really. And they've been here for me and they listened to me. Um, yeah, they, they're everything. And I, I wouldn't be here without them. Mm. But other than that, I don't have like a like a psychologist mentor, or I don't actually know anyone else with bipolar disorder. So that's actually pretty hard, too. Um, really? But, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, my family.
1: The Did you say it was your psychologist or psychiatrist that recommended you write? Psychologist. Psychologist. So it was You keep in contact with your psychologist, right? Yes. He or she? She. She. Oh, yeah, you did reference that. So what does she think of lithium part one? What does she think about the fact that you have three more works, one being edited? And was kind of her suggestion. Tell me about that. That's got to be pretty cool in terms of. Yeah. It's, just, it's a great book. Tell me about that relationship and your conversations.
0: Yeah, she is just so proud of me. And she this whole time she's been telling me um, just keep going, keep doing it because it's going to be so worth it. And so that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah. A couple other reasons you need to buy this book. First, If your parent or parents and your daughter decides, I've lived through this, by the way, that all of a sudden she's up and leaving the confines of, you know, your neighborhood, so to speak, and going to a big city on the coast. You're going to want to read this book to see how Anna navigates through all this. A lot of it on her own, some with her help, help from Ozzie. Mm-hmm. Ozzie, right? Am I see yes. correctly, Yeah. So you want to know that because it's what we don't know that sometimes makes us nervous and kind of scared. Well, Anna has lived through some of this on her own travels. She has uh, traveled the world in pursuit of her art. She she gets around. Let me put it that way. Second reason is. You, you, you want to know if your daughter is in a working environment with three guys, you, you got to know more about. So you you need to understand Mia and her approach to being. Uh, a rock star badass. And I've said that three times. I won't say it again. And I suspect Anna is actually absolutely the same the other reason you should read it is what Anna just said the more we understand about another person's walk in their shoes the more we can connect with people and the understanding of their walk and when we have more information, information rules when it comes to our ability to understand the life and the conditions of, of someone else. And when you got the first book published and, and before I should say ready for public uh, being published and before you had your book publishing party if that's a mm. correct term, how did you feel that you were in lockdown? You wrote four books. This one is ready and it's out the door. How did you feel
0: about that? Um, determined. Like I, I was, I was and still am like really inspired to do this. And um, I'm not going to stop.
1: What else do we need to know about you, Anna?
0: Um, That's all I got.
1: So it's Anna Lurix, A-N-N-A-L-U-R-E-X.com is your website. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a work in progress a n n mm-hmm. a l u r e x dot com and is also on instagram anna underscore lyrics at instagram and you got to get this book and you got to get ready for the next one mm-hmm. and I'm telling you you're you're going to want to get all four i'm I'm absolutely convinced uh, this is uh You know, in a way, this not only was a cliffhanger, was kind of a nail biter for me Mm -hmm. in terms of how it ended. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, And I'm telling people you just got to buy it. Okay. (laughs) And thank you so much for a, a number of things. Taking time to join me. Thank you for. Being willing to share your story uh, through Mia, uh, but also revealing about your personal situation on the back of your blog. Because anytime any of us can have more information about another person's struggles, or right, a walk in somebody else's shoes, anytime we can t- do that, we're all better off. You are a difference maker. You're a needle mover, Anna. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you for uh, your willingness to share. Um, and I'm looking forward to maybe another interview after the next book comes out. And after you've sold some art and other podcasters reach out and say, got to come on my show. So are you sure there's nothing else you want people to know right now, Anna?
0: Um, I don't think so
1: thank you so much I appreciate you you're a rock star you have a good one Evan. thank you
0: thank you Mike thanks for having me